When a trotter called Ismock raced home to win at Addington in September 2017, Colin de Philippi became only the sixth New Zealand driver to reach the 2,000-win milestone. It was a fitting tribute to a man who'd been one of New Zealand's most respected horsemen for more than four decades. He's perhaps best known for his 24-win partnership with the champion Courage Under Fire and his 2001 New Zealand Cup win with Kim's Girl, which he co-trained with wife Julie. Colin was top New Zealand driver with 121 wins in the 05-06 season and has finished in the top 10 25 times. He and Julie have won many races as a training team, but for many years Colin's driving talents have been utilised by many outside stables. The last time we saw him in Australia, he won several Group 1 races with the brilliant trotter Stent, including the Great Southern Star in Melbourne in 2015. At 67, Cole has cut his team back considerably, but could always find room for a good horse. I'd like to introduce to the podcast one of my favourite Kiwi harness horsemen, Colin de Philippi. Great to catch up, Cole. Uh, pleased to be on your show, John. That two southernth winner sneaked up on you, didn't it? It was a terrific achievement and a terrific thrill. Uh, it did, John, yeah. Um, I think the first hundred was hard and, and the last hundred was probably just as hard. The other ones weren't quite so bad. But um, yeah, Were you conscious of it, Cole, you know, getting up into the 1900s? Well, yeah, the, the media made a wee bit of it, John, and... and um, so I knew I knew it was coming up, and I, you know, you knew it was only going to be a matter of time. But um, mm. well, you're hoping. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, no, quite proud to join the list. The people listening will probably wonder who the other five drivers were, Cole. And I've got them here: Tony Hurlihy, Morris McKendry, Ricky May, David Butcher, and this is the surprising one: Dexter Dunn. How can you drive 2,000 winners at his age? Well, a, a pretty good list, John, when you think about it. You know, um, Tony and Morris have been two champion drivers for years. Ricky May, uh, Ricky May and David Butcher have um, done just about everything in the game. Dexter, for a young fellow, I, I had a lot of admiration for Dexter. Mm. Um, it's a shame we've lost him to New Zealand harness. Um he was a superstar. I'm not saying he's any better than Tony or Morris or Ricky, but um, I think he had it all, John. You know, um, good-looking young fella, very well-spoken. Um, yeah, he there was no scott about him, mm. um, and and he he was very good. He's very good at what he done, and mm. um, he, he chased him probably more than anyone else. He's lucky that he he'd go down south and he'd go up north, and but he deserved to be. You know, all the accolades he got, he deserved every one of them, I think. Now, you say New Zealand harness racing has lost him. He's in America, isn't he? He's been there, I think, for about 12 months. Um, And the annoying part about it, John, we don't hear a lot about him. Um, We don't really, he doesn't get the publicity he should. Like, he is representing our country, I think, and Mm. I'd like to see more of him, Um, hear more about what he's doing. He's going real good over there. Um, quite high up on the, on the drivers list. 
And is that sort of person, I think, you just fit in wherever he went, John. Yeah, he'll come back to New Zealand one day, surely. Oh, I think so, but he's probably earned a lot more money over there. Um, I know it's a whole different system, and mm. and a lot of your listeners have known better than me. But uh, you know, if you're in the top lot, you can make a you can make a pretty good living over there. Mm. You and Julie are working eight or nine horses currently, but you've never been a big team trainer. No, I've, I've never. I could never handle a big team job. I used to sit on 16 was probably what we liked. Um, got up to 20 and I'd get sick of them. And, mm. um, so, no, 16 was better average. Many um, people... And, and now, just the way things are gone, we just, we've just got the quarter. Yeah. Many people are curious about your surname. So let's clear it up. You are of Italian descent. Your yes. grandfather, Stefano, settled in New Zealand in 1920. You're right, yes. Yeah, lovely old fellow. I remember him well. He, he lived till his early 90s, mm. um, lived on his own. He lost his wife probably 30 years before and lived on his own. Um, and he's yeah, just a lovely fellow. Uh, and he, I don't know if you know the Otura Tunnel, it's a, a quite a long tunnel between Christchurch and halfway through the Alps, uh, mm. going over the West Coast. Yep. A lot of your listeners would have been through it. Mm. Um, no, before, but not the tunnel, but the road, when yep. they were putting the road in, he drove the horse and cart that carried all the explosives. Good heavens. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the family's always had a little bit to do with horses, John. Mm. When you were growing up, you lived at a place called Reefton on the west coast of the South Island, and your dad, Rod, ran a sawmill. That's right. Um, it was actually in Marawea, or some people call it Marooia, mm. um, 20Ks, probably 25Ks um, back in land from Reefton, middle mm. of nowhere. Um, mm. You wouldn't even live there today. And, um, yeah, pretty pretty um, primitive. Uh, middle, um, you know, uh, lived in a what we thought was a house. Is probably you'd call a batch nowadays. <laughs> but it was it was good. Um, yeah. I was quite young when we moved out of here, but I do remember parts of it. Yeah, your dad trained a few harness horses, so you were around them from an early age. Your very first winner was trained by your father, Rod. The race was the members' handicap at Greymouth in 1974. The horse was called Brother Eden, and you thought he was Cardigan Bay. I did that night, John, yeah. It was the second day of the meeting. The first day, I think I knocked Jack Flinsky over at the start. And, <laughs> with, um, and the second day, I got up and bet him with um, the same two horses, and um, he had a bit of a dig at me, you know, in fun. Did he? Yeah. So, uh, you know, pretty, but, you know, you always remember your first one, John. Yeah, Jack Smolensky, a famous name in New Zealand harness racing, and he could come up with a good horse too, couldn't he? Oh, for sure, yeah. Good horseman, um, good trainer, hard worker, very determined sort of fellow, John. Um, mm. Yeah, no, I, I actually uh, learned off Jack a wee bit because when I went out training, he leased me some yards at his place, his old yeah. place. Mm. And I spent half a day doing horses and the other half watching what Jack was doing because that was when he was, you know, one of the leading trainers. And, yeah. Um, yeah, no, very good horseman. You took out a trainer's licence in 1975-76. Col, I hate to tell you, that's 44 years ago. 
Yeah, it makes you feel old, John. Um, yeah, and actually, I, I didn't have a lot of experience. I didn't work for anyone. Um, my father always had horses, John, and had a bit of success, like only part-time. He, he, uh, done a few different jobs, he ended up on the farm, and, and my brother Michael was always going to be the horse, always going to go in the horses. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I started, I was pretty green when I, I took out a licence, and... Um, in those days, they took the. I had my junior license for one and a quarter years, and when I took out my trainer's license, they took my junior junior driver's license off me. So I didn't get a very good start with the juniors. So. No. Well, you'd been training eight or nine years when you were given a horse to train by the name of Our Mana. He was a late three-year-old. He'd been purchased by people who were still among your closest friends, Roger and Jenny Barron. And they paid three hundred dollars for him. What were you thinking about his prospects? Well, he was by Shell Hanover, um, who wasn't a popular sire. Um, I grew to like him, no doubt. Um, mm. He was trained by he'd been through two trainers' hands, and the, the late Lester Tatterson was the last one to have him. And Lester was a very good trainer. Mm. Uh, and I did after I had him a week. I said to Lester. What was wrong with that Shell Hanover horse, you know? And mm. He said, Oh, typical Shell Hanover. He said, uh, He'd pace good up the side of the road. He said, You go rough when you got on the track. Mm. And I'd had the, he'd been in the paddock for five months when I got him, John, and I'd put the hobbles on him the second day back and work. I thought, I'll have a look at him. I won't waste their money. Mm. And yeah, after a week, I put some sh- shoes on him. And, um, and the first time I hobbled him when he had the new shoes on, he went rough. And I thought, oh, what a waste of a set of shoes, you know, when you do, mm. and, <laughs> as you do. And um, anyhow, I, I pulled around him and oh, he just he just come to it, you know, very quick. Mm. Uh, quality, he won a workout eight weeks later um, after being in the paddock for five months. Mm. Uh, he went to patrols 10 days later and, and qualified. He went back a week later and won a, won a non-win trial. Mm. And I, I knew at that stage, but he was just, you know, quite a bit better than average shot. Yeah, well, you finished up winning 23 races with him. He ran second in two New Zealand Cups, second in an Auckland Cup, and he actually made the final of the 1984 Inter-Dominion in Adelaide, won by Gamalite. That's right. Run about Yeah, 50. no, he is a good horse. He's a good horse to me, and he, he just came along at the right time. And, and when you look at some of the horses he's racing against, mm. When he ran second to Camelite, there was Dylan Dale and hands down run third and fourth. Mm. And then when he ran second the next year in the Cup to Burana, he um, Rawdon Glenn ran third and Pro Chevalier ran fourth. So mm. two, yeah. you know, two champion horses. So. The ambition. Just, uh, sorry, Cole. Yep, I, I was going to say the ambition of every New Zealand trotting horseman is to win the New Zealand Cup. Run at Addington every year, one week after the Melbourne Cup. Your day of days came in 2001 when you won with a seven-year-old mare called Kim's Girl. I think you'd been around in that race about 17 times before Kim's Girl won. Yeah, I'd had three seconds, John, and um, I think a third and a couple of fourths and a couple of fifths, and uh, I thought, well, perhaps I'm, you know, like a lot of people, not going to win it. Um, when she came along, she was always a, a lovely mare, um, a nice feminine Mayor John, um, quite fine-boned and uh, always had a good turn of speed. So, um, 
She wasn't the soundest mare in the world, was she? No, the one of the part owners had her when I um, earlier on, and uh, she was a wee bit unsound. And we had a, a, a pool at, at the old place. It was just one cut out of the ground and fed in mm. by the water race. Yeah. So we sent it to us to train her, and she stood up pretty good. Um, so no, saying that she she was pretty sound, like you mm. know, we didn't have too much trouble with her. Yeah, you were stuck away on the fence. Coming to the home turn in that New Zealand Cup and you'd be thinking, oh, God, I'm not going to get out of here. <laughs> no, that was how she was best driven. She was best driven for one run. She probably had as much speed as any horse at the time, but, um, you know, you, you always need a bit of luck in those big ones, Sean, and mm. on the day I'm pleased to say it happened. So. Where did you get out? You're well in the honest, straight. To be honest, the race, a bit of a blur, you know, you, you mm. concentrate at the time what you're doing and where you are, and I, um, I'd have to watch a replay to tell you, mm. to be honest. Yeah, I think you were, you were uh, in the straight. It was the last, you know, six or eight hundred metres anyway. Yeah, oh yeah, probably later. As the New Zealand oh. Cup winner, Cole, she got an invitation to run in the Miracle Mile at Harold Park. You ran fourth to smooth satin that night. Any excuses? Well, she drew bad. I think she drew, if she didn't draw the outside of a gate, she's bung from the outside. And uh, this is the first time I've ever, ever seen all the sectionals come up for all the horses. And I think her sectionals were as good as any. Mm. Um, you know, with a better draw, she would have just been that much closer. Mm. Great thrill for a Kiwi driver to go around in that wonderful race, the Miracle Mile. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I've watched it for years and, you know, seen some, a lot of good horses win it. And, and, um, yeah, it was a thrill just to be there. You covered X's on the trip because you went to Bankstown. A couple of weeks later, you drew Barrier One in the Truer Memorial and everything went right that night. Uh, that's right, yes. I uh, I trailed Holmes DG and uh, just, you know, um, that was her go. Like, if she got a soft trip and, and a split at the right time, she, was, she could make sure best of them and... Mm. It was a big thrill. She was lethal with the right run, wasn't she? Very quick. Yeah, she was, definitely, yeah. Mm. Well, the great horse Courage Under Fire won a total of 41 races. You drove him in 24 of those wins, including six derbies. Now, Cole, he wasn't just small, he was a midget. You, you Sitting in the sulky behind him, you must have been... Overawed, he was just so tiny, wasn't he? Well, he, he, was, he wasn't very high, John. I, I don't think he was even 14 when he started racing, uh, 14 hands, mm. but he, he had a wee bit of length, which helped, and he had a he had a fair bit of muscle, you know, he had a mm. good back end on him, and uh, he, he had the, just the best gait, you know, he was just like a machine. He um, every step was the same, and he, he quickened. And, he lengthened stride when he quickened and he yeah, he, uh, he was the nicest pace you'd sit behind. Mm. And he had the manners and the attitude and um, you know, just that will to win too, John. So yeah, yeah. I still think he's the best two year old or two and three year old I've ever seen, let alone sat behind. Mm. Um I've seen horses put up the odd performance you think they all are good, but mm. he just done it week in and week out and, you know, he raced in three states in Aussie and North Island, South Island and uh, yeah, he was just the best. Well, he won his first 24 straight, as we said, 
but you could say that sequence may never have happened had he been beaten at his very first start in a race. It was at Forbury Park in Dunedin. It was in January 1998, and he had a terrible trip down to Dunedin. That's right, John. He, um, we didn't know before the race, uh, but in the race, he, he just just felt like he didn't want to be there, and I, I didn't want to knock him about. And mm. I think he only won by a small margin, and you know he's ducking and diving up the straight, which wasn't him, um, which he hadn't shown in the trials. And I think about an hour after the race, Bruce had to get the vet to him. Mm. So what happened? He went down on a transporter and. Um, I had a few other pickups, and I think it ended up being, instead of being a five-hour trip down to Forbury, which was about normal, it was about a seven-hour trip um, through no one's fault, and, and um, it can just stress a young horse, John, and uh, yeah, yeah, he was quite crook for a day or two after, afterwards. So, you know, that, that was his only real hiccup as a two- and three-year-old. Yeah. Well, it was two years before he got beaten, and he got beaten by Kaima Kidd in the heat of the 2000 Inter-Dominion at Mooney Valley. I think the broadcaster, Danny Malecki, summed it up best when Kaima Kid ranged up to Courage Under Fire and Danny said, the earth must be ending, or words to that effect. <laughs> oh, there's always someone wants to spoil the party, John, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it was always going to happen, I suppose. And, uh, it, was, it was a shock to everyone, including myself, but saying that, you know, it was... As I said, it was always going to happen. Mm. I, I think, as I said, we never had a Bruce never had a hiccup with him as a turn three year old, but he did live with him like he everywhere the horse went. Bruce was right beside him, and he he done a super job of getting him up for all the big races. Mm. As a four year old, a couple of little things went wrong, and and um, I remember saying to Bruce, "Wouldn't it be good just to not take on the open class horses and just race the four year old, you know, and the superstars and the." Mm. And the, uh, um, uh, they had two big races up north for Messenger. Mm. And um, I think if, if if he had just done that, he might have gone another, you know, he, he could have gone a lot longer without being beaten. But um, mm. that's, you know, that's in hindsight. Sort of. mm. Well, after being beaten by Kaima Kid, you didn't drive him his next couple. Tony Hurlihy came over. He was unplaced in the Victoria Cup. Then he won a heat of the Inter-Dominion. And then you were back on in the grand final. And in hindsight, Cole, you probably wish you hadn't been back on. What happened? <laughs> yeah, no, you can say that, John. That's fair enough. Um, that's one of those things. Um, I'd always, in the past, I'd put his nose on the gate and, and he was quite comfortable. Um, that night, the gate just surged a wee bit and he actually hit the gate and, and galloped on us, you know. Uh, mm. Um and I believe I found out afterwards that the goat, the good gate had broken down and I'd brought out the old one. So yeah. probably hadn't been used for a wee while, whether that was half the trouble. But, yeah, I can only take the blame, John. And, um, yeah, it was not a good time to be doing things wrong. But mm. That's racing, as they say. Oh, that's racing, yeah. It always happened, yeah. Now, you mentioned Bruce Negus. Uh, he's still in Christchurch and he's still training horses. Yeah, large as life. Um, he just, he's, I think Bruce is just as happy to train the poor ones nowadays as the good ones, uh, less pressure, and um, he, he's still keen as mustard. He, he's got a, quite a big team. Um, 
he bought a he went up to the weanling sale twelve months ago and bought fourteen weanlings mainly for himself and um that was his new project, get them going and either sell them or race them. Mm. Courage under fire has been very successful at the stud and his daughters seem to be breeding on too. Yeah, well, he's just that good that he, he had to be okay, and, and he did have a wee bit of a slow start at stud, which sometimes the colonial sires seem to do. Mm. Um, and it's good to see him leave two very good horses. Uh, yeah, but, you know, he only had to pass on his attitude and his gait, and, you know... Um, he couldn't, couldn't miss. How he, he, sorry? I say you couldn't miss. He couldn't miss, not really, but, you no. know. We've seen good horses before be deep, been disappointed in, at the stud, but um, no, I would have been surprised if he didn't make it. Yep, he had all, he ticked every box, didn't he? He had great gait, great temperament, yep. great attitude, great will to win. What more can you want in a potential stamina? Well, that's it. He had the speed and he had the stamina, John. You know, like mm. you could just, you could drive him anyway. There's no. He was just that good as a young horse. You know, you could sprint with him two or three times and it didn't matter. Mm. We'll just pause, Cole, to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back in one moment. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round. You've always loved the square trotter and you've been a great exponent of the art of driving square trotters. Stent is one of the best you've trained and driven. 26 wins, 20 placings, Almost a million dollars, and uh, he must have been a delight to have around. He yeah, was just a, a lovely horse. John is is um, probably by far the best trotter I've trained or we trained. Um, he actually won one point one over one point one million dollars, New Zealand dollars. Yeah, I got. Uh, I had a few figures here about him and. Group ones, he lined up um, 32 times in, in group races, mm. and no, 42 times in group races, and he's in the money 32 times. Yeah. In group ones, he lined up 26 times and won 17. Mm. Outstanding so, record. Yep. One of those group yep. ones was the Row Cup. Uh, you took him to the Row Cup after returning from Melbourne one year. And for a New Zealand trotting horseman, a square gating trainer and driver, that must have been as big a thrill as anything he won in Australia. Um, it was right up there, John. Yeah, I think winning the Southern Star, you know, in, in over there in, in Australia was um, big. Um, just the whole concept of the of the race with the two heats, and uh, it, it meant a lot to me. Um, but the Road Cup, it's always been. The race I wanted to win. Um, I looked after my father's horse when I was young, and, and uh, CR, who won it in 1973, I think, John. Mm. 
Um, and I, I done all the work with him and, and shot him, and it wouldn't have been flash looking back. Uh, <laughs> he was just, a, he was just a good horse. He's a tough trotter. Um, should have won a Dominion. Yeah, won a New Zealand free for all. So you know, it was, it was took a wee while to finally train one, but um, mm. I had driven it. Be, I had driven a road cup winner before. Yeah, but, uh, no, it was special to, to train and drive one. And for his owner, Trevor Casey, who's put a hell of a lot of money into the game in New Zealand, uh, he'd have been every bit as thrilled as you were. Oh, for sure, yeah. Yeah, as you say, he spent a lot of money and he's got, uh, he has got a nice band of broodmares around him. Um, yeah, we, we'd been beaten in the Dominion and we'd been beaten, I think, the year before in the Road Cup, so... Uh, we had one arch enemy and Master Labros, who very good star, who who ran second to us that night. So it was good to turn the tables. I remember your sneaking across to Harold Park one night in two thousand and four to drive a horse called Roman Gladiator in the New South Wales Derby. You beat a couple of nice ones too, the Sentry and Slip and Slide. They were both lovely horses. That's right. Yeah. Um, I'm not too sure. I think it, um, Gavin Lang, I think, was on the favourite or the second favourite. Yeah, the sentry. Yeah, and I settled in front of him and, and the plan was to, to stay in front of him. And I think I seen when he was going to move from behind me and I went I went ahead of him. Mm. Um, he, he was a lovely horse, Roman Gladiator, big, strong horse. Um, um, he, he broke down. He, he I think he'd done a, a suspensory later on, not long after that, John, and we didn't see the best of him, but... Um, mm. He was good. good young horse. He was good to you, Kyle. You won a total of eight races on Roman Gladiator all up for his trainer, your good friend Robin Swain. Yes. Um, I can't remember. I didn't didn't know it was that many, to be honest, John. But, mm. um, I think he won a side stake, did he, at Addington? I think he did, yeah. Yeah. He was one of the nicest young horses I've sat beyond. Mm. In the mid-90s, you and Julie had the unthinkable experience of losing your son, Darren, Colin, in a car accident. He was just 19. He was driving in races, wasn't he? So he was driving. Yes, he was. It was coming back from the Geraldine races, John. Um, and I just left him. It was the last time I've seen him. I said goodbye to him. I was talking to him at the races, and I finished just before he was. Mm. And... Uh, I got halfway home and, and I got a call to say there'd been an accident. Mm-hmm. There's a woman, and we still don't know from that date of this, John, there's a woman crossed the line and um, the centre line just caught the car in front of Darren, the back of it, and then flared into him. And, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, she she came out, the lady came out with a broken arm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we still don't know to that day just what call you know why she crossed the line, but um, no. yeah, the whole experience just changed our life, Sean. Oh, understandably, it took you both a long time to focus on the horses again. It took you both a long time to focus on life again. But I think in the end, Cole, the horses saved your sanity. You just immersed yourself in training horses. You did right, John. Um, yeah, no, the horses probably just kept me sane and uh, it was just not long after that that I encouraged John, Aunt Julie to come out and she always helped at the stables if we were busy and she always done a share, but, you know, I encouraged you to come out because, you know, 
was, um, I thought sitting in the house on her own was no, no. no good to her. No. So, and it wasn't long after that that she came into partnership in the training because she was out there doing the work. So, yeah, no, the horses actually give you something just to get your mind off it a wee bit, John, and mm. not that you're ever going to forget what's happened. It's just, uh, it's just an experience you wouldn't wish on anyone. You know, you've driven five winners in a day three times. You ran second in the World Drivers' Championship uh, on one occasion in New Zealand to Christophe Martin, who's quite a celebrity in Europe. Yeah, the five winners in a day, it's just, you know, how races go. You can go one day and think you've got a good book of drives and can't can't weigh in. And mm. um, I think every time I drove five, it comes a bit of a, not a surprise, but, you know, just out of the blue a wee bit. Uh, one of the days was at Westport and I drove five and I only had the six drives and, and my brother got up and bet me by a head and the other one and I was like, what the <laughs> hell did you do that for, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that wasn't, uh, that's, that's just one of those things that happen when you're having a, you know. You've had some very talented young people come through your training operation. Ricky Oldfield, Craig Thornley, Stephen Doody and Samantha Otley who is a very good race driver. You say she's one of the most talented reins women you've seen in New Zealand. I think she's the best female driver in New Zealand, um, or best Kiwi driver, John, and I don't have to include Natalie Rasmussen. Mm. Um, yeah, no, right from day one, before she came to work for us, she uh, she, she was just, just a natural, um, and she had the right attitude. She's, uh, she wasn't going to get pushed or bullied by the boys. Um, good pair of hands, good judge of pace, and uh, and um, knew when she done something wrong. You know, she was hard on herself if she made a mistake, and mm. and uh, you know, I'm pleased to see her. She's gone on to be, you know, recognised as one of the best drivers in the country at the moment. So. One of my favourite Colin de Philippi stories concerns the legendary Morris Holmes. Let me quote a New Zealand journalist who described Holmes as a champion driver of superb ability who won 1,666 races when there was nowhere near as much racing in New Zealand. He was at the top for 50 years. He won an Auckland Cup at 17 years of age. He was leading driver 18 times. And if you look at his list of big winners, Colin, you stare in disbelief. Incredible. Three New Zealand Cups, two Auckland Cups, two Inter-Dominion Finals, you can go on and on. Twelve derbies. Yes, John, he, he was a legend. Um, he's as good as we've ever seen. When I was growing up, he, like, he was just, you know, he was just the best. He, was, hmm. he just stood out. Uh yeah, he just lived very humble sort of a fella. Mm. No scott about him. Um, Dave Cannon went and interviewed him after he retired, and Dave said you wouldn't even know that he'd um, he had horses. He said there was one picture up the hallway of a horse. He said, you know, yeah. Yeah. you know, Morris was um, he was quite unique in one way. He he kept to himself a wee bit, mm. uh, and I, I was lucky enough. Um, to drive for him, John. Um, and it was quite a good, it was a great experience, and, a, and, a, and an honour just to put on his colours, you know. Yeah. When he first rang me up to drive for him, I nearly fell over. 
Oh, now, Cole, this happened after his retirement. The rules stipulated that he had to retire at 65, which he did reluctantly. He trained a few horses, not many, had to find a driver, and he rang Colin de Philippi up, and you nearly dropped the phone. I did, John, yeah. You know, to think you're going to pull his colours on was great. Um, mm. And, and he's, he's one of the best to drive for you. He wouldn't give you any instructions. You know, I'd draw seven or eight at the gate, and I'd say, what will we do? Oh, you know what you do, you're doing. And mm. Not once would he ever commit himself to say, go forward or go back, and never complain afterwards. No. Um, you'd come in and say, oh, I went good, nice, and... He'd say, oh, you, you give it a good run, though. You didn't go around a horse. You know, you always make excuses for it. Um, yeah, he, he was just he was just uh, pleased to drive for him. And I stuck to him. I never, I don't think I ever turned down one of his drives. Yeah. Just, you know, hmm. just who he was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Cole, I, I was at Addington for the Inter-Dominion of 1971. And uh, I was calling all of the Inter-Dominion heats for a Sydney radio station, but I didn't have to call the non-Inter-Dominion races. And I was able to walk down and watch him on a trotter called Waterloo. Uh, He was buried on the fence, four back, well in the straight. I thought, there's there's no way he's going to get out of there, but he did. In a flash, he was into the clear and he went bang, bang, bang and got up and beat him on the line and he was wearing yellow colours. I've never forgotten. Yeah, left. Col- yep. Yeah, Colin Burkett was a trainer and a, and a very good trainer and my brother Michael um, worked for Colin for a number of years. Good heavens. And yeah. uh, I, I'll tell you a story. He qualified one um, for uh, Morris Drover, for Colin Burkett at Waimati on the grass one day. Uh, might have been Geraldine actually, and it was a New Zealand record. And there's right up in the paper about this horse going this time on the grass. And, and when he came in, Colin said to him, "What do you think, Morris?" And Morris said, "Oh, I didn't, don't really like it." Mm. And Colin said, "Nor do I." And, and the horse never went far, you know. But there's headlines about how good it qualified. Yeah. Um, yeah, there was no um, great judge, you know. Sorry, a great judge. Yeah. Oh, great judge, yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Apart from yeah, and Morris... And just as good, right to the day he retired, he'd be just as yeah. good as the day he started, you know. I, yeah. I, I actually started driving the year he retired, John, and so mm. I never drove against him in a race, but I drove against him at the trials, and mm. even at the trials, you'd think every race was a cup race for him. Mm. And competitive. And that was yeah. Yeah, really competitive. And his nerves yeah. were as good, Colin, his nerves were as good the day you retired as they had been 30 years earlier. Yep, without a doubt. Remarkable man. Apart from Morris Holmes, who are the horsemen you've most admired and respected throughout your career? Well, you always respect your peers, and and, um, Peter Wolfson was, you know, a bit in the same same league. Um, Johnny, he won most races. He won, well, he won every race, I think, and... He had a real bit of class about him. Um, you could j- sum up a race early. Uh, Jack Slinsky is another one. He is um, very, very good at getting them away, very good at getting them out of the gate. Won a lot of early two- and three-year-old races when, you know, with his driving and training. Mm. Um, just the 
just his ability to teach them to get out of the goat and get handy. Mm. Uh, and, then, and then long come Morris McKendry and Tony Hurley, um, and a friend of mine, Ricky May, has always been up for the best. Mm. Uh, my own brother, I you know, I admired him. Michael was the best of his age. Um, and and now and then along come Dexter, you know. And as I said, he's I don't know if he's any better than the others, but he's definitely as good. And he's mm. he's just got everything, Dexter. You know, yeah. um, he, he's a bit of a pin up boy, but he's got a a, a nice attitude, and and uh, I think it's carried him a long way. He's got manners, and he he respects his his elders and his peers, John. Mm. And I think I think. Um, yeah, it's a shame we've lost him, at, at, you know. To the United States, yeah. Anyway. He'll be back. Now, Cole, uh, Mark Purden is driving better today than he ever has, and Barry Purden doesn't drive much, if at all, in fact, uh, but he's training that very good filly, Belle of Montana. Pleased to see him get a nice one. Super fella, Barry Purden, and a super horseman, um, John. Yeah, one of the best uh I've always looked up to Barry. Uh, I stayed with him 35 years ago, and I just just followed him around, watched what he done, and and I think the yeah, training operation, you know, him and his father were in together at that stage, and everything just run like clockwork. Um, he's a he's a good fellow to be around. Um, first fellow to help you, John, if you had a problem or if you want to know anything. Um, and then Mark comes along, and he just seemed to have gone to another level. Um, Probably on his record, he's probably the greatest trainer we've ever seen. His record certainly testifies to that, doesn't it? It does, John, yeah. Yeah, he just keeps producing young horses after young horses and um, not just one or two, but, you know, um, he's just uh, quite incredible what he's doing here. Well, it's the age of the big stables in thoroughbred and harness racing throughout the world, in fact. And the more spending power a trainer has in the sale ring, the better his results will be down the track. The smaller stable with modest spending power are going to find it very tough in future years. For well, sure, John. And he's definitely making it hard for everyone else in New Zealand, John. It's, um, and, and, you know, what we can do about it, I don't know. But um, he's he just dominating all the big races, all the classic races. Um, we all hope he'd move back to the North Island or move over your way. I mean, it'd be nice to <laughs> um, wouldn't have a change, I reckon. But uh, as you say, he, he's definitely done a good job picking out the yearlings, uh, and, and he's not scared to spend. I think Barry's a wee bit more frugal with his spending. Like if he, if you ask him, ask Barry to buy you a horse, he might spend three or four months before he found you one. But I think Mark would find, you know. He'd find you one in three or four days, I think. Yeah. Well, you strike me as the kind of horseman who'll need a horse or two to get you out of bed for a long time yet, <laughs> J- just like Morris Holmes. Uh, true, John. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm slowing down, and, and to be honest, I'm, you know, a lot of my owners are either passed on or, um, you know, a lot of them nowadays, if, you, if they sell a horse or get out of a horse, they don't want to get into another one. Um, it seems to be three or four trainers in Canterbury that have got most of the horses. I'm not the only one with a short, but I'm lucky. That, um, well, we're lucky. Um, 
but I, I'd still like to get another good horse, John. I'd like to get a horse good enough to come over your way and, and uh, mm. really enjoy the trips. Really enjoy meeting, uh, you know, your fellow trainers and and uh, it's just getting one good enough is a hard part. Mm. We mentioned that Morris Holmes was forced to retire at 65 years of age. They've obviously relaxed that rule. You're 67, but you can still drive if you care to. I can, John, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the younger ones are taken over. I hardly get an outside drive nowadays. I, um, back after Christmas, I uh, I had a suspension and then I then I broke some ribs and I was off for six weeks and then I went up to the North Island to the horse of the year with Julie. She had two standard in, which actually quinella the in hand standard horse of the year. Um so that's our, one of our annual holidays. So overall, yeah. I had about eight weeks yeah. off the scene, and you know, all of a sudden, no one wants you. Wants you. So it's always I mean, a bit the case, and around Christchurch, there's that many young fellows here that want to take over. So mm. I don't know if they're telling me it's time to time to slow down or not, John. <laughs> Mate, you wait till a nice horse walks into your place, and you give it a couple of trials, and it goes well, and it's got plenty of race sense and tractability. They'll need dynamite to get you off it. Oh, for sure. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're right. That's all we need. Yeah. Yeah. Well, old horsemen love to reminisce about the good horses they've known along the way, and they love uh, to reminisce about the great trainers and drivers they've known along the way. And Colin DeFilippi, I can tell you that your name uh, is going to be right up near the top of that list for a long time to come. Been a delight to have you on the podcast. Thanks for your time. Been a pleasure, John, and uh, thanks for those kind words. Um, make me feel a little bit embarrassed, actually. <laughs> Don't be embarrassed. Thanks for your time, Cole. We'll catch up when you get a good horse and come back to Sydney. Good on you. Yep, thanks very much. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. It's good times all round at Harness Racing across New South Wales as the state's finest horses and drivers go wheel to wheel. With something for everyone, a trip to the trots is the perfect place to take family and friends. It's easy, affordable and action-packed, so get down to your local track and experience it firsthand. Get all the info at harnessmediacentre.com.au and we'll see you at the track for good times all round.